Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out. All right, Greg Meehan, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? I'm doing well, Brett. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to get to spend some time talking about some swimming. Yeah, man. Love it. That's, uh, that's what we're, that's what we're enjoy doing and uh plenty to talk about or maybe not but um (laughs) you were named the 2020 uh olympic head coach for the women's team how'd that go uh you know that uh oh yeah you mean the games that are in 2021 (laughs) oh yeah that's right didn't happen shoot uh (laughs) what have you been doing mate? you're supposed to have been a multi uh uh, olympic gold medalist coach by now What, what have you been doing in the meantime Holy smokes. Uh, you know, we're just, we're, we're going with the flow, right? I, if there's anything that's come from this whole deal, um, if our, our athletes and and coaches, um, aren't good at handling adversity after all of this, then, uh, you know, that'd be a pretty big surprise. So we're, we're just like, you know, every day is, I think especially where, where we are in Northern California to the Bay area um, and, and in particular, you know, Santa Clara County and, and Stanford university, like it's pretty conservative from the, the health perspective. And so, you know, every day there's like five possible scenarios and you're just trying to go with the flow and not drive yourself crazy thinking about, you know, all the what ifs. So we've just, we've kind of taken the, Hey, let's make today as good as we can approach and tomorrow we'll be there when we get there. And, um, you know, and doing that without losing sight of, of what's coming down the road. California has just recently in the past few days gone into kind of more heavy restrictions again, based on, um, you know, spikes in the virus. Uh, how is that affecting you guys at Stanford? Right now uh, it's not from a training perspective. So Fortunately, we, we still have access to um, all of the water here, which is you've been to our facility, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of water here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're able to do all the things that we've been doing from a training perspective. Um, it, it's more about the travel piece. So, uh, you know, we're trying to work through what it looks like when someone leaves more than 150 miles away from uh, the county. Uh, and then the, the quarantine period that is associated when they come back. So knowing that, you know, most everyone's going home for the holidays uh, here in the next little bit, there's, a, a, you know, there's some uncertainty about uh, what's going to happen when they're ready to come back. And if they need to sit for, you know, 14 days, uh, not ideal, obviously. Um, we do have a group that'll be here. So they'll, they'll kind of avoid that part, but most everybody's going home. So we're just, we're, we're trying to, again, roll with the punches there. Yeah, crazy times, mate. Well, it's good to know that at least you're you're working out and, and getting your stuff done that you need to get done. Mate, I was just looking through your resume and uh to be quite honest, you're you're kind of the king of the castle right now. I mean, you're the US head Olympic coach for the women's team, you're the Stanford head coach, you, you know, you've got uh Kate Ledecky and Simone Manuel in your stables. I mean, this is it, man. Everybody dreams of being you right now. Like you're you're yeah. the king. Well, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, um, there's a lot of other places doing a, a lot of great stuff too. And I'm fortunate to, to be here. Uh, this is a pretty awesome place to, to work and you know, you can see why, um, it, you can be successful here. Um, and that success, you know, has kind of been on, on both the NCAA level and, and the big pool level internationally. And that's been kind of fun. Um, but you know, never taking it for granted. Cause it's like, I think that's where, you know, coaches can, can get in trouble, some, not in trouble, but like, that's where sometimes you can get stale. And, and I think, mm. uh, just, just constantly trying to evolve and adapt. Um, and you know, the, the, the personnel always changes, right. Every year, even a small group out, a small group in the, the dynamic changes within the group culturally and, and, and others. So, um, it, but yeah, it's been a, it, it's been a really fun ride. I mean, specifically since like 2014, I just feel like we've been doing mm. this, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it gets harder, right? The closer to the top, I think people, you know, coaches figure that out. Like, oh, it's pretty easy on the, on the way up, but uh-huh. until you kind of get to the top there, then it's uh, gets a lot harder. All of a sudden, you know, not as many people like you as before. <laughs> do you honestly feel that? Do you do you feel um, jealousy and envy, or you know? Is no, that, is that no, that? not not jealousy and envy. I think it's you know, people want to be 
uh, they want to be great. They want their programs to be great. So they're going to, you know, work hard to kind of knock off whoever's uh, at the top. Um, you know, I felt like that was, you know, we, we were uh, on that path and, and there were a lot of great teams ahead of us at that time. And, and they're still right there with us now. And then, you, you know, you look at other programs that are on the rise and doing a great job. And I mean, that's what makes American swimming great, right? Like mm -hmm. there are so many programs, club programs, college programs, professional environments, like what, you know, Marsh has. Mm -hmm. um, that's what, that's why our, our country is so good at this particular sport and why we're so deep. There are a lot of, I mean, there's so many good coaches around the country. Uh, every time I feel like I have a conversation with somebody, there's a little nugget that I take away and bring home with me. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, somebody who's coaching 12 and unders or, you know, elite level club or college or pro. I just, I really cherish those, those conversations and those moments, which frankly is something that I've really missed over the last, you know, eight, nine months with, without travel, we haven't traveled. So I've, yeah. I've been here since March. No, absolutely. I, I agree with that. There's, there's quality coaches all over the country. The level of competition is so high. It's one of the things that drew me to America in the first place. It's just the, it, it was the Mecca, you know, it's the place where everybody's good and every it's so competitive. And that's, that's the great thing about it. Now, in terms of putting yourself in the position you're in, not everybody would want to be in your position either. It's a, it's one of those ones that is going to get scrutinized. It's uh, you got to have a lot of confidence in what you're doing and how you're doing it. You got to be a great recruiter. You got to have so many aspects of, of, of the job that you need to be good at. Why, why are you comfortable in that position? Why were you made for that? Why did you want to go for that position? Uh yeah, you know, I think just understanding sort of, all right, I, these are the things that I'd like generally like to accomplish in my career. And it wasn't necessarily all about the, the winning piece of it. It was just like working with people who are, um, you know, focused on being as great as they can be. Right. Yeah. And that like drive, I think is something that, that motivates me. And yeah. so getting here, um, it was important right away that I like found somebody that was going to be a partner that was going to help us kind of build this together. And that was Tracy and she's still here, you know, nine years later and, mm. and doing a great job. And so I feel like the, the two of us, you know, on this path um, and that, that gives me confidence to, to do what I need to do. Cause I know she's got her skill set uh, as well. And so it, it's um, it's been a, a really good partnership and you're right. There are challenges to, to that. Um, you know, there's a, there's a level of, of scrutiny or expectation, but um, you know, there's the, the adage like, that I, I probably agree with is nobody's going to put like externally, there's not going to be greater pressure than I'm already going to put on myself. And so I, I try not to, you know, pay attention too much to that. That's actually a good point. Other than the obvious reasons, how, how do you keep a, a great assistant like Tracy? Uh, you know, maybe she wants to one day be a head coach, but I mean, she's been there for nine years and, and to have that type of partnership that kind of like Eddie and Chris had had yeah. for many years and the success that they, they've had and, uh, and, and even with you and, and Dave at Cal, the, the success that you guys were having, it's tough to keep an assistant of that quality, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but I think the, the one thing is that, the, you know, if and when uh, a person in that role is ready to move on, there's only so many jobs that are going to be enticing to them. And so, uh, you know, those don't come along very often. Um, but just trying to create an environment where, um, you know, they, they feel ownership in, in what we're doing and mm. um you know a lot of our success over the last nine years has been because of that partnership so uh you know just kind of working hard to to create that um to create that environment here like either in the office or on the pool deck and the relationship she has with with our athletes like it's just um yeah we've got a we got a good thing going um you know and and if and when she's she's ready to go of course i'll i'll totally support that um, but you know, until she does, we're grateful that she's, um, you know, stayed committed to Stanford. Is there a particular group that you work with and she works with, or is it just, you could kind of float either way? How, how are you able to maintain being the head coach for everybody on the team? Yeah. You know, I've, I've never been a huge fan of like Greg's group or Tracy's group. Sure. Um, I just, I, especially in a single gender program where, where there's, you only have two coaches, um, you know, normally we have a volunteer, but we've, we've had a couple of years um, in our time here where we haven't had a volunteer. It's hard to have a volunteer during the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, you're crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's, uh, you know, we're kind of, we're, 
Like, I think we want to be coaches for everybody and I'm not going to stand over, you know, so-and-so is lane uh, every practice. Um, but I always know what they're doing, whether I'm coaching that group or not. Um, but generally, I, you know, I, I work with the distance swimmers, the foreign IMers, the backstrokers, um, the, the professional group. Uh, so while, um, you know, Tracy works often with the sprinters, you know, she may only work with Simone twice a week and the rest of the week, um, she's, she's more in the, you know, kind of the realm that I'm working with. So I, I think we have really good balance, right? Like I want, I want everyone to work with her. I want everyone to work with myself and, and, and take advantage of getting a different set of eyes and, and, um, you know, making sure that we're coaching them up to the best of our ability. Yeah, man. A lot of interesting stuff I want to chat about as well. Um, one of the, one of the things I'm really interested in, how do you recruit Katie Ledecky? I mean, it's obviously Stanford, you know, it's it, the school itself speaks for itself, but how do you have the confidence to go in and say, I want to take that on and, and I can make you better. That, that's a tough one, man, for anybody, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I wouldn't undersell the Stanford sells its play, uh, sells itself, uh, idea. I mean, this place is pretty remarkable when yeah. you, you step foot on campus and you walk around like, holy smokes. Um, and I think alongside of that, or, or sort of tangentially, um, there is a lot of amazing stuff happening here every day. Um, and like for people who are as successful as Katie in swimming, uh, in whatever they're doing in science, technology, music, art, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like just e- even some of the like Condoleezza Rice, Dr. Rice, she still teaches classes here. Um, you, you have people like Tiger Woods who came here. So uh, there is a sense for um, someone like Katie to come here and be herself. She can be Katie Ledecky. She doesn't have to be Katie Ledecky, the swimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, I just think something I've really appreciated about this place. Um, and there's a sense of, of humility with that because you know that you're surrounded by amazing people every day. And so there isn't time to kind of toot your own horn. You're just, um, really able to kind of be yourself. And, um, and I think that's what was so attractive for someone like, like Katie or someone like Reagan or someone like Simone, where they can, you know, they can, they can come here and, and pursue their, their academic goals. They can, you know, be part of a, a, of a program that's, that's doing really well in athletics, um, and not have to sacrifice one for the other. And, and I, that's to me, I think of all the things we've accomplished, that's probably what I'm, I'm most proud of is we're still doing really well, uh, you know, academically with team GPA and, and what they're doing once they finish their, their swimming career. Um, and at the same time, you know, still having success with uh, short course swimming at the NCAA level and then international swimming. When you get to a place like that and, and kind of the, the top of the tree, so to speak, in terms of the, the coaching stature, how do you find personal growth? How, how do you evaluate your season year by year to say, I, got to, I could still get better in those areas or, hey, we could tweak these? Or, you know, just in terms of your own personal evaluation, how do you find your own growth? Yeah, I, I, conversations, right? I, one of the things that we do really well here is like we're self-critical, and um, for for Tracy and I, like we'll call it in a normal year, maybe not this year, because uh, we're not spending as much time together in the office, uh, just with some of the restrictions. But um, you know, in a normal year, we we kind of roll through the fall. Um, we make it about sort of these sort of stable things within our program, a lot of work, and um, and then we go to an invite before Thanksgiving and we throw tech suits on, we don't rest a lot. We just kind of, it's just a checkpoint for us. Um, mm-hmm. And I know each, each program kind of manages that time of year differently, but for us, we're able to kind of take a step back after that and be self-critical. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. what did we do well as a team? Where are we falling short? And then from that, you kind of then, okay, individually, how that's impacting them, what we're doing well as a team and what we're not doing well, what changes can we make either in, a weekly schedule or technically, or, you know, just, uh, the, the, the mental approach to what they're doing. Um, like, I think it starts here, right? Like I need to be self-critical first. What, what am I not doing well, uh, that we can get better at in the next three months. And that's why I kind of love that checkpoint in November because it I feel like there's enough time 
you know, mm-hmm. to make some change yeah. uh, if need be. And like, all right, then we're, we're just going to get some momentum going towards, uh, towards the NCAA championships in March. And then it's the same thing in March. Okay. You know, how do we then transition to what are the things that we need to change um, heading into long course racing season? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that uh, like evolution as a coach is probably happening without a little bit organically, just through the relationships that you're building with, with the athletes and like, as, as athletes change, you know, you're, you're kind of changing with them and, um, and just learning a ton from them. And, and that's making, uh, us as coaches better. It's not just like a once a year thing, like, Oh, that didn't go well. You know, yeah, Yeah. it's it's constant. No, it's, it's pretty constant. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not afraid to like, I think that's the other thing. I mean, we have our staples that we really like to do and, and honestly, like, okay, the nine years, like not much has changed on this, Uh, but then there's others that, yeah, like we're, we're not afraid to change something if it, we feel like we can get better actually that's interesting in terms of the staples uh that i had a you know conversation with frank bush and that's what he told me in terms of running his programs like brett there's he kind of looked at it as a dinner plate it's like look you have your meat and uh, vegetables and and maybe a carbohydrate and and that they're always going to be on your plate but it's like you 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 might change the meat or you know the vegetable uh depending on the season or whatever it is but in terms of just the the things that are just constant in your program can you let us in on some of those constants uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're, we're pretty grounded in like hard work. Um, the, mm-hmm. the totality of work, I think when you, when you look at strength and conditioning, you know, of which sort of the, the dry land piece of it, not just the strength piece too. And then what we do in the water, you know, Monday through Saturday, I think it's a pretty good workload. There's just um, no way around that, is there? There's no way around it. And, <laughs> and I think like trying to trying to get around it is kind of missing the point. Um, cause I, I even, and this is where philosophically, you know, I've, I've always been at and maybe it's different for, for some, but, um, you know, for, for women at this level, even if they're, you know, long course sprinter, like there's still a level of work. you want to be really good at hundred free long course. Like, you know, this as well as anybody, there is a, like, you have to do work. You can't can't cheat that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're, we're, you know, kind of threshold is probably sort of our bread and butter that we, that we really, um, that's kind of the foundation that we work off of, you mm-hmm. know, and then whether there's more anaerobic work or more aerobic work and, and just sort of that, that push and pull. Um, but I think that's sort of our, our big staple, um, you know, and then we, we have some, some staples just within our weekly schedule. Like we really like our power sessions to be, you know, here and here. Um, we, you know, we, we don't do a whole lot of, um, traditional lactate sets, you know, we, mm. we're not doing six ones on eight minutes. There's nothing wrong with that set. That's just not something that we tend to do. Um, you know, we, we probably err on the side of doing more like max VO two work than we would on a, on a true lactate set. Mm-hmm. We'll do it. Um, you know, maybe two or three times a year. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, most of other stuff is, is kind of on that, um, you know, work to rest ratio that's, that's either one-to-one or, or, or two-to-one. Um, and so that's kind of, those are some of the things that we really sort of rely on. Um, and I think that's helped us, uh, again, be good in, in both pools. Uh, and we're fortunate here that we can, you know, we can train long, we do train long course year round. Uh, so it's not so scary for them when, when we have to transition to like long course racing, but, um, that's also a staple. So, you know, we're doing, in the fall, it's three to four workouts a week, long course. Um, and then in the spring that kind of gets bumped up to, you know, six or seven long course workouts a week. So it's, it's, those are just kind of some of the little things anyway. Yeah. I like it. Um, I remember having a, a, a conversation with Richard quick when he came to Auburn for the first time. And, uh, we had a meeting with the, with the class checker and he's like, what's, what's a class checker? <laughs> why, why have I got a class checker? You got you guys don't have a class checker at Stanford, do you? We don't have a class checker, no. <laughs> no, they love school. They love school. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah, he said in his twenty so years, he never had to check on whether somebody was going to class or not. No, no, for sure. <laughs> That's classic. Um, well, listen. In terms of just uh, where you got to how you got to where you are. Um, what, what are some of the kind of the, the key moments in your coaching career that you can look back on and be like, that was kind of a pivotal moment for me. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think everywhere I've been, I've been 
and I've said this publicly, I, I am one who, you know, just really believes that like, you're only as good as the people around you. Yeah. Um, and I feel as though everywhere I've been, I've been super fortunate to like be around the right people at the right time in my career. Mm -hmm. I was unlike yourself. I was not a great athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a, you know, kind of junior national level swimmer. Um, and so I didn't have sort of this natural segue into coaching at an elite level. Um, and, you know, just have been grateful for every opportunity starting at, at you know, William and Mary and, and Princeton and UCLA and working with Irby um, for a summer at Michigan. And, and then, um, you know, the, the four years at uh, Berkeley with Dave. And so I feel like every time I've had uh, or been somewhere, I've, I've just taken so much and that has helped me go from one place to the next, right? I, I, I think a little bit to your point about the evolution as a coach. I mean, I answered that question more of like how we evolved here in the last nine years. But I think as I look at the last 23 years, that's how I've evolved. I've evolved by just being lucky uh, with, with having the right people at the right time to help me kind of learn and grow and stretch and then, okay, move to the next thing. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been a pretty awesome experience. Has there been anything over that time? I'm sure there has, but anything that sticks out in terms of looking back and saying, I really needed to change that. That was, that was an area of my coaching that wasn't working or wasn't, you know, wasn't right for the athletes or wasn't right for the environment that, that I needed to change about myself or evolve or, you know, kind of. Yeah, tweak. I think, yeah, for sure. I think so. I mean, I, I think I've, I've, um, I've really tried to be a better communicator Mm -hmm. Um, it, I'm not perfect in that realm at all. Uh, but it is something I'm, I have actively worked at getting better at. Um, I think, you know, just understanding that kids today are slightly different. Um, you know, talk about like coaches change to kids change. I mean, I, it's probably a little bit of both. Right. But, um, I just think that they're different and you need to talk to them differently. And, and I think here, especially right. Um, super intellectual kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have to ask them to dumb it down uh, often to like <laughs> come down to my level. Uh, I did not go to school here. Um, and, and so, you know, just kind of how you communicate with, with people and the difference between coaching a men's team and a women's team and, and, you know, how to like understanding that and then how to find ways to, to motivate and press and, whatever it is that, that, you know, we're focused in on. So um, yeah, that's been, been pretty interesting too over the years. What about in terms of people that you can turn to just personally, like if you're, you're struggling or if you, you want to bounce some ideas off or you just want to vent or talk to someone, mm -hmm. uh, do you have a, a small circle of people in your life other than maybe your wife? Is it, you know, just professionally? Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and like swimming is, is kind of off limits at the house. I really try not to, mm -hmm. <laughs> to talk about it. Good um, idea. Good idea. Yeah. With, with my wife, although she, you know, she'll read an article and she'll ask me something like, don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's, uh, we really try and separate there and, and she's amazing and has supported this, you know, kind of crazy yeah. profession that we're in. Sure. Um, but yeah, the, the, um, the small group is, is people like Dave, is, is people like Tracy, is um, Irby for a long time, you know, could, could pick up the phone and call him. Um, I've gotten to know Yuri Sugiyama well mm -hmm. over the years. Um, I, um, you know, I, I think the big change um, key, like over the last two years here is, is um, getting Dan uh, Schemmel here and um, and I had an awesome relationship with Ted Knapp. That guy is friggin' amazing. Um, but I, you know, Dan comes in with a different perspective. And so um, he's been a, a great resource as well as he's doing a really good job with our men's team and um, being able to just bounce ideas off of each other has been super helpful. What did you learn at Cal uh, in terms of winning championships that you found has been helpful that you brought with you that you kind of felt like you needed to, to have at Stanford? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's the, the, like the coach, the, the swimming specific coaching side of it. Right. Yeah. I definitely learned some things. Uh, and, and Davis really, as you know, he's really, really good at what he does. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I learned a lot there. Um, I also learned just sort of, I was fortunate to be there at the beginning of a quad all the way through. So, you know, I got there in, in 2008 and, and was there through the London games in 12 uh, to kind of see sort of that vision. And, and that is something I've definitely taken with me and just 
continuing to, to think kind of, you know, big picture. Um, cause it's, it's easy sometimes to get lost into the weeds, but, um, you know, just having, being able to like slow down and, and pull that lens back a little bit and look at the bigger picture. And, um, you know, that's, that's probably more so than anything else. That's the, one of my biggest takeaways, uh, from that time there is, is just like how to really sort of set it in place a long-term plan and mm. then how to execute it, mm-hmm. but being okay, making changes along the way, uh, to, to help get better. And so, uh, I, I felt like we did that really well from the beginning of the, the, uh, time here in, in 12, you know, through that, that first squad in 2016 and like, to have the vision, um, to kind of like, all right, these, I think we can kind of get here and, um, and then, you know, how to, how to try and execute that along the way. And it's, it's, it never is perfect, but I, I think that, um, just was super helpful. And just like, that's kind of one of my big takeaways there. I got to admit when you first took the job, I kind of thought to myself, like that must be slightly awkward to go from a teammate of Terry's to her number one competitor all of a sudden, (laughs) Was there some awkwardness there at all? No, no. And, and Terry and I have a really good relationship. And so that's been, been helpful. And, and, you know, while there's a huge rivalry between Stanford and Cal, I think there's also a sense of pride in like Bay area swimming. Sure, um, yeah. and, and so, you know, I was there for four years and, and got to see what, what she did, uh, you know, kind of front. That's what I mean. Did. You get to see what yeah. she did and then you take yeah. it out and then now yeah. you're a competitor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but no, it's good. It's been great. I mean, and right now, like they've been the only team we've been able to race. So we've gotten to see each other quite a bit this fall, um, just with some of the restrictions. So, um, no, I think, you know, it was honestly the, you know, kind of funny piece of it, the hardest, um, or the person that had the hardest time adjusting was, was my son, my oldest son, you know, cause he's just into sports. And so he had all this Cal gear and we used to go to the football games. And when I told him, was going to coach at Stanford. He just like melted down (laughs) at the time. I think he was, uh, sorry. Uh, at the time, I think he was, um, I don't know, like six, maybe. Yeah, so he, he didn't get you know, it. Yeah. It was a very sort of <laughs> instrumental time in his life. <laughs> yeah. Dad, you've been feeding me this for six years now. Now yeah. you're going to tell me I'm yeah. going to jump ship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was, that was very hard. <laughs> oh, that's classic. In terms of um, the, the rivalry, I, I was talking to Mike Kavik the other day. He said that, that that rivalry is, is as intense as any rivalry in, in the country, if not more like is, is it that intense on the women's side as well? Or like, is it, is it pretty fierce? Yeah, it's, it's fierce. I think there's a level of, um, of respect though, too. Uh, you know, I think very similarly, you know, Berkeley is a great academic institution and, and people that, that go there um, have a, um, have a, a real sense of like pride in, in what they're doing. So there's a, there's an intensity to the rivalry. Um, but I also think when, when Cabot was here, I mean, they used to like, get geared up for for dual meets between stanford and cal and they'd suit up and Mm -hmm. you know just would be these huge huge battles um and that has has subsided a little bit so uh, i think in a a healthy way um but it is a a really fun uh a really fun rivalry and um and there's a lot more you know berkeley fans than there are stanford fans just because it's a, a large public institution, right? They've, they've got 30,000 students. They're graduating large classes each year versus, you know, the, the smaller private school. And so we've, we've got to hold our own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mate, there was a period of about one year where I had a stable of superstars at all, but I had, I had some of the best sprinters in the world. Um, and it, it burned me up, man. It burned me out. You, you've now got uh, back-to-back years of, of, you know, teams of superstars. Is that tough uh, on the female side the management of not just great athletes we're not talking great athletes. we're talking superstars you know world worldwide superstars is, is it tough to manage that uh no not from the perspective of like their um their buy-in you know I, I think i have what i've really appreciated about each one of them as they've come in and like they have utilized this environment to get better um and like being sort of selfish or self-centered doesn't work very well here. And, and I think it's allowed for us to just utilize the, the group mentality to kind of get better. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, 
it is difficult to manage from a like, all right, there's just a lot of moving pieces mm -hmm. and uh, we're, we're looking at, you know, a, a spectrum of events uh, in, mm -hmm. in long course that we need to be really good at. Yep. And those are it just kind of planning that and putting those pieces together. That part is, I don't want to say hard, but it definitely like, it requires a lot it, to your yep. point. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to kind of get, to get burned on that. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, just having the right people around you to, to help you do that. And, um, and the, the, the women have, have kind of stayed here and stayed committed to that. And that's been really fun. Uh, I, I was talking with, with David Plummer the other day. I know you had him, had him mm -hmm. on there uh, as well. I was on his podcast and just talking about, uh, I, Simone is now the longest I've ever worked with anybody coaching her. Oh, wow. uh, this is now our, I think our sixth year together. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's, you know, just like totally, and we've had a great relationship the whole time, but it's evolved and it's different now than it was, you know, even three years ago. Sure. And so that part's really fun. And, um, and there's a, there's a huge sense of ownership on her end and she kind of knows the, the deal. And so um, it, it's been a really fun, like, it's been a really fun process on that. I, I've had, uh, I've heard rumors in terms of, um, yeah, people have opinions and stuff. And I may have even had my opinion myself on why she didn't swim ISL. What you tell me, why didn't, why didn't she swim ISL the past two seasons? She'd be the number one person on anyone's list. So what, yeah. why, why, you know, um, I, one of the things about, and, and I'll, I'll kind of, lump Katie into this a little bit as well. I know mm -hmm. she did, you know, one ISL meet last year, didn't do any this year. Um, like they, they like home base um, and they really value training, uh, especially at certain times of the year. And I'm not sure if that's just because it's how they've always been, or if it's a combination of how they've always been and how like we approach the fall each year. Um, and I, and not uh, critical of those that went to ISL. I mean, clearly it's, it's been a great uh, pro uh, product, especially this year. I mean, it's just fun to watch. Um, and there's a lot of value in, in racing and how like that, that volume of racing can, can become training. Um, but I think for what we were trying to do here the last two years, um, you know, the second Olympic year again, <laughs> um, <laughs> that were like, there's some things that we really wanted to kind of attack and do. Um, and then the other piece of it is I think when they were first making that decision, um, the meets were going to be in Australia Yeah. and it just like, didn't, you know, they're, they're pretty cautious on that regard and like, okay, what happens if X, Y, or Z and it just didn't make sense for them. And so that was their, their decision to stay here. And, and while, you know, they're, they're not necessarily race ready, right now i think that's fine right it's we still have um seven months until trials eight months till the games um that they're in a really good spot uh i i never you know thought i'd say this five six months ago but you know really as i look at at each of them they're they're it's hard to argue that they're not in a better spot now than they were a year ago yeah um and, and i think you know we can come off of this sort of workload in the fall because it's what we're used to even if you know, even when there would be more pro swim meets, they would only go to one in the fall. And then maybe they'd go to the, you know, U S open or winter nationals, whatever it's called at that particular time. And then we come out of this phase in January and then we start to add a little bit of racing, right? We, we kind of race in, in mid January, you race again in March, you race again, April, May, June. Um, and that has worked for them. Um, you know, I, I think you look back at, at, at 2017, 2018, 2019. And while it hasn't been perfect, um, you know, your question was, was specific to Simone, like, you know, in 2019, she had arguably the, the best uh, world championship meet of, of anyone mm -hmm. um, on the women's side with, with all of her different swims and gold medals and just managing 50 to 200, mm -hmm. you know, she, a lot of people forget she had a great lead off split on that 800 free relay and like, uh, there's confidence in sort of the work that gets done in the fall that allows that transition to more speed and racing January on. And so that's kind of been our approach. And that was probably part of their decision-making process as well. 
was is there a time where they're sitting there watching the swimming and, and thinking damn i wish i was there or are they they completely comfortable with it i think they're pretty comfortable yeah i mean there may be moments where it's like oh that looks fun you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um and it's not always fun just you know getting your getting your tail kicked every mm-hmm. day week after week but um but i think you know they wouldn't trade their uh their experience their work over the last um you know three four months so yeah. it's just we i feel like we've kind of gotten into a pretty good little rhythm and um haven't raced much but we you know they have done some of the racing with with cal and um you know like just good performances right and whether it's uh in a inter-squad or you know a practice or racing them like they've they've showed some good markers in the little checkpoints that we've had and that's enough for them and, and certainly as their coach i feel like that's enough for me Part of my intuition with some of my great athletes, like really, really great athletes, was that even when they were at their best beating people around them, I still felt like there was another level that they could possibly get to that people may, other people may have thought, how could they go beyond where they're at right now? And then, and, and then when, you, when you tap into that and you find that, that's where the magic happens. That's where it's like, bam you know is yeah. there something like that with simone and katie that that you feel that there is another level that they can get to uh yeah i mean they're they're i'm not sure if this is what you're asking but i think they're both getting better still um you know and and this well, in terms of getting the best out of them like there, there's yeah. a point where you know you can do something or say something or you can create something yeah. where the environment is perfect for them to be at their best. So yeah. how, what is that, that for them? I think that's international competition for them. You know, they, they love representing team USA on the mm-hmm. world stage like mm-hmm. that, that they take that's, so much pride in that. Ultimate, and it, yeah. Right. And it, and it makes sense when you look at someone like Katie, who was on the Olympic team at 15 and won a gold medal, like, that's her intro into big time, you know, international swimming, like, holy cow, of course. Right. Um, and then, you know, for Simone in, in 2016 at her first games, I had a little taste of it at, at world championships. And, you know, I think that's a good example of like evolving. We, she wasn't very good in, in 2015. And, and I put that on me. I was still kind of learning how she operated and, and what she needed and, and just kind of tweaking some things. And then, you know, a year later, she, she walks away with a couple of individual medals, you know, gold in the, the hunter free and, and some relays and all that stuff. And, uh, like doing the work, um, to then let them shine in those moments that, that they really care about. Um, and they did an awesome job. Like I, when they were collegiate swimmers, the NCAA me got them to that place as well. Uh, in like relays, when you look at some of the, the relay performances that they had, um, you know, especially, and obviously someone like Simone's going to be on more relays in her career, but some of her relay splits were just off the charts, uh, relative to her individual swim. Like, you know, I think about her when she anchored in 20.4 on our 200 medley relay, um, you know, her best time individually in the hundred was 21 one at that time. And so like they get fired up for that moment. Cause it was their opportunity to represent Stanford on the national stage. Um, and now that's just transitioned to they get to represent uh, the United States on the international stage. And that like, that is their realm. That's what they love. They get fired. That's what gets them out of bed. That's what gets them working hard because they want to go, you know, win medals for team USA. You've had some pretty intimate moments uh, professionally in terms of the the competition side with these ladies. Um, And I'm just going to stick to these two particularly for now, because they're they're the two of the best in the world currently and incredible athletes. But um, is there, is there a moment, a race, you know, like Simone's won some races from some outside lanes where it's kind of like, Oh, anyone could win this. And then all of a sudden Simone goes out and smokes everybody. Like, did you know that was going to happen? Like, is there, is there a moment before the race where you're like, watch this Simone's got this no problem um yeah it was about 24 hours before that um you know the the early part of that meet um she was on a a mixed relay and uh got passed by Kate Campbell um Mm. and Team USA finished silver and she didn't swim a very good race like just she got a little squirrely and when she gets squirrely, that's normally when she's, she's just not as, as, as good as she uh, typically is. Mm-hmm. And like, man, she, that, that hurt her. Right. Mm-hmm. She like wanted to win that for, for team USA. And, sure. um, and so coming out of that, the next morning 
was prelims of the hundred free. And it's like, okay, let's kind of see how this goes. You know, there may be a little bit of a kind of a hangover effect from that. And she comes in and was, you know, pretty good morning swim. Like it didn't look hard. She was, was maybe the, you know, first or second seed. I don't remember exactly. Um, I was like, okay, you know, she's, she's in a better spot. Um, and then that night is the semifinal and the four by 200 free relay. And as you know, international competition, like you turn those relay cards in before you get to see mm. anything in that session. Yeah. Right. Which the nice part about insane meets is like, you can, you can watch the hundreds of stroke and then you make a decision <laughs> on where and what, right. Yeah. Um, and so we're, uh, she's going into that hundred free and I could tell like she was, it just wasn't necessarily coming easy and warm up and she has a tough swim. And like, as to your point, she kind of snuck into the final. She was yeah. seventh. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was not an easy stroke in that entire hundred free. No, no. And at that point you're like, Oh boy, this is going to be, this could be potentially a really hard 800 free relay. And she's leading off. So you can't hide. Right. And uh, I think fortunately Ari led off um, for Australia. And so it was like, you don't have to, you don't have to beat her. Right. Yeah. Like let's stay in your lane. And, and we had an awesome exchange for about, there was only about an hour between the semifinal and the lead off of the relay. So we had about, you know, 35, 40 minutes of like time before they had to go to the, to the ready room. And we had an awesome, like 35 to 40 minutes, just like pumping her up. And, you know, it's kind of like, all right, that was just crappy swim. Like, let's just, let's acknowledge that it was crap. Let's move it over here. We'll talk about that later. All right. What do we got here? Um, you know, and just kind of getting her pumped up. And then she goes and, and, you know, drops a 156 flats her best time by seven tenths, I think at the time, um, huge swim. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, we ultimately get, get touched out at the end of the relay, but like we were under the old world record. It was a new American record. And in that moment I was like, Oh my, she's going to haul butt tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. She was in lane one. In a lot of ways it was like, this is perfect for you because we've been working on, on getting out fast being like not hard, but like you need to go out fast and trust yourself because she's so good on the back half. And so lane one, like she just put the blinders on and went, put her feet on the wall 24-9. And it's like, that's it. I know she's got it. Uh, Because she's like, just has that killer instinct in that moment. So that was just like a really interesting, you know, kind of 48 hour Mm. uh, period of time where you had a pretty like low, low and you feel it and it weighs on you and it weighs on you a lot more in a relay setting than Mm. it does individually on that mixed relay, you know, and then kind of the struggle of the, the, the semifinal of the hundred and then like, Oh my God, now I'm leading off this relay. And, and so I was just so proud of how she navigated through that. There's great lessons there for young, young kids. It's not, it's just not always going to go your way. There's no perfect meet, you know, this, no. it just doesn't yeah. all, the cars don't fall into place the way you want yeah. them. And sometimes it takes a little bit of a, uh, you know, a heartache to kind of get yourself going again. And um, yeah, uh, you, you can tell when she's got a swagger back, right? Like she got a little bounce of something. What's, what's, what is it with her where you're like, oh yeah, she's on. You know, there is that um, she is intensely critical of herself and like, you know, kind of demanding perfection within herself. Mm-hmm. Perfection's not the right word, but like there's an intensity about how she goes about things. Sure. Um, and, you know, uh, it that doesn't like her really good stuff doesn't happen very often during the year um, because she is so like, you know, I want to get this done. I want to accomplish this. Um, and that, you know, sort of never being fully satisfied is what makes her great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I can tell when we get to those meets and we're in these, these particular moments where she's just ready to go, there is a quiet confidence. She doesn't need to tell me that she's ready. Mm. Like I can just see it in the water and she's going through her routine and, and kind of, I could tell you her like warm up routine, probably start to finish, mm. um, you know, as I'm over there watching, um, by the, by the warm up pool. And, and I can just tell when she's, when she's ready. So there's just a, a look that she has. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, to your point, there, there's no meat where you have that for eight days. Cause it's mm-hmm. near impossible. I mean, that's such a brutal meat for sprinters, mm-hmm. especially well, now. Unless, with unless you're Caleb Dressel. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, unless you're Caleb, right. <laughs> Golly, that guy is off the charts. Freak. Um, you know, with, with adding in the, yeah. the mixed relays and all that stuff. I mean, it is a yeah. busy, I think she had 13, 
races. Yeah. It's a grand. Like her, her race load was off the charts between, you know, the, the, the two individual events, that's six swims right there. Yeah. You know, and then you have all your other relays. So, yeah. Well, listen, we've seen Katie Ledecky at her best for, for many years and just crushing people. But I was kind of surprised last year when I did uh, finally see her uh, weakened in a way. And maybe you can give us some backstory on that a little bit where she was. Was it was it Ariana Titmus is mm-hmm. uh, beat her in the in the 400? Yeah. I believe, uh, yeah. At Worlds. What, what was that experience like? Did you know that was kind of likely in the lead up to that? No, not per se. I mean, um, she's a great swimmer, right? So I don't think Katie went into that race thinking like, I'm going to just blow away the field, maybe to what she did in, in 16. Um, And even in 17, didn't have a great swim, but was, you know, kind of knew that she was, she was going to win. And I think there was a, you know, Ari is a greater threat there in that environment. Um, And you know, ironically, Brett, like I had never seen her better than where she was like the, the weeks and months leading into that. Mm. Um, and then like towards the tail end of the camp, I could in Singapore, we were in Singapore at the time for our our staging camp. And I could tell that just like, there was something, uh, just off a little bit and, you know, but you don't know what it is at the time. And then Mm -hmm. she goes to 400 and just absolutely, you know, kind of falls apart on the last 100 and gets passed and, um, you know, but like to her credit, she kind of keeps pushing through and, and kept a good attitude about it. And, um, you know, and then swims the, the prelim of the, the mile the next day and like, you know, 15, 20 minutes after the race, she's still like, her heart rate is still skyrocketing. So you knew there was like, her body was working overtime to solve whatever was going on. And is she complaining um, about that at the time? Is she vocal? about? No, that? I mean, not until like that moment, you know, and she's, she's got a lot of pride in her level of work and performance and all of that. And so you knew um, that like when she pulled herself out of that race, especially in the mile, an event that, you know, she's obviously been dominant in a lot of events, but relative that mm-hmm. one more so than the others yeah. for her to pull herself out of, you know, a likely gold medal, I think is a pretty good indication of where she was at physically. Um, you know, spent some time at the hospital, like the doctors did an amazing job to kind of just help get her back out. I wasn't sure that we would see her again, the rest of that meet. Um, but to her credit, she kind of gutted her way through a, a four by two relay. Um, what, that was her first swim back was like, I mean, it went fairly well. Um, you know, but did, they did the doctors put her on some meds? Did they? Uh, no, she was, I mean, they, just like constantly evaluating her because as you know like there's only so much that you can do in those moments uh, especially when you're in a foreign country Mm. you know it's more just getting evaluated than it is getting medication um and so as she goes in that next day she has the 800 free prelims and it felt a lot like the the 1500 i think those longer swims were just super hard for her um but then you know kind of gutted out one of the more impressive swims that the next night and the final of the 800 and like getting past at the 600 mark and just like hammering through and, you know, coming back and winning on the last hundred, uh, I think said a lot about sort of, of who she is, um, as a swimmer, um, and like knowing that it wasn't, it didn't go as planned. Um, you know, but that it happens, uh, but then rebounded off of that and, like we had a, just an unbelievable year of training last year. And she was really good in March at Des Moines before, like right before the pandemic shut things down. She had some great swims out there uh, from 200 all the way to the mile. Like, all right, we're in a really good spot. And, you know, and then that sort of obviously didn't get to see the, the end of that. So I think she's excited about what she's doing and, and, you know, what's ahead and uh, you know, the goals haven't really changed. Just some of the challenges and circumstances have changed. Most people who are that dominant for, for that long, uh, especially the way she was, would have a real hard time with loss uh, and defeat, wouldn't they? And so, like, in that moment of, of that defeat, particularly, uh, how did she respond just, just to that? I, I mean, of course, she's, she's you know, really disappointed. Um, but, but, but it doesn't you know, crush her. I don't know. I mean... I, not, not externally, you know, and, and Katie's a pretty private person. Um, but she like, 
she held herself together really well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that's what ultimately allowed her to kind of come back later on. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've all seen those moments. I, I remember, um, (laughs) one of my like favorite moments, uh, at NCAAs was not with someone that I coached, but watching Natalie in 2004 NCAAs, um, I think it was Oh four, you know, she, she had never lost a, uh, an NCAA event and two on her back last day of the meet. She, she gets beat by both, uh, Margaret and, oh my gosh, I forgot who was second. No, uh, actually it was, it was because I think she finished third in the 200 back and just mm. like the fire in her. And then she comes back, you know, whatever, an hour and a half later and, and leads off the 400 free relay in a new American record for the 100 free. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. there are people that are able to respond to those, sure. you know, like that disappointment. And so yeah. I, I think I would put Katie in that category. OK, yeah, that's yeah. what I was asking. Yeah, that's that's good to know. And then that's the way it looked, too. And but you just never know from the outside. For sure. Looking yeah, in. No, but but, yeah. the, but certainly, certainly tough to be that dominant at a young age and then and then figuring out how to handle defeat. But then figuring out how to continue to get better, you know, and, and not remove yourself from that totally. Um, there's a lot to, lot to be said about Katie in those circumstances, you know, so Absolutely. that's yeah. uh, very impressive. Um, listen, mate, uh, your time is valuable and I really appreciated this. Just some insights into you and the program and, and your athletes. Um, thank you a lot for this. I appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate it. It's fun to just talk some in, right? I mean, we don't, we don't get to have these conversations at meets right now. And, and yeah. so, you know, it's just, connecting with people is, is fun. And so thank you. I appreciate being on. I love following the show. And yeah. so, thanks, yeah. man. Well, listen, good luck over the next few months. I hope we can, can hope we can get this Olympics going. Is it, yeah. you, you're obviously pretty optimistic. It's going to happen then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you have a choice to not be mm-hmm. right. If it gets, if it gets canceled down the road, like you can't control that, but you have to prepare for it to happen. And, um, and not worrying about all the what ifs. Like we're just, we we're moving forward as if it's happening. We're excited about that opportunity. You know, there's, there's obviously some challenges in that, like seeing some of the things, you know, how we're going to manage us Olympic trials and all of that. But at the end of the day, like, I think there's a real good chance that the games will go off. And so we need to be prepared and ready for that. Good stuff. Well, if they do, mate, I hope you win all the golds you go after. All right. (laughs) Thanks buddy. (laughs) I appreciate it, mate. Take care. Thanks Brett. Bye.